0: You're listening to the Gateway Christian Church Beckley Campus Podcast. To find out more about the church, visit our website at gatewaychristianchurch.net. Let's get into this week's message. Uh, I got a bad joke for you. Ready? Ready for bad jokes, even at home? Ready for the bad preacher joke? I heard that Jupiter and Saturn were canceled this week for not social distancing, They won't be able to get back together for 60 years. I'm sorry, that's really bad, but that's the next time uh, that star will be uh, seen again. Today's the last Sunday of 2020. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, Philip, our our teen minister up at St. Albans, has a sweatshirt, and he was wearing it this week, and it said 2020 was the worst year ever. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, I want to challenge that this morning. Um, You know, I think... I want to tell you that 2020 probably hasn't been the worst year. It may have felt like it, but there's some really cool things that God did in this year, and it made it a great year. Now, I understand you people are probably saying, wait a second, Uh, all the stuff that's uncertainty for going into 2021. And and the reality of it is, is the start of next year might look a whole lot like the end of this year. I mean, uh, in in fact... uh, 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 the president-elect Biden said, uh, he even claimed at the queen theater that we would be entering the darkest time of COVID. And no doubt that's kind of depressing when you hear those words and no doubt 2020 has been a rough year, but I want to show you something in scripture that I don't know if you've ever really considered. And honestly, this was when I, when I received the message, uh, this week, um, from uh, St. Albans and Taze Valley because and Marmette. We all preach the same message. We all use the same songs. It's one of the cool things about being one church in multiple locations. Um, This one really challenged me, and it made me really started to think. And I want to show you, first of all, in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. We might have grieved this year, but we didn't grieve like the rest of the world. We grieve, as the Bible says, with hope. Now, I don't know if he knows this, but why is that? Because we believe in a powerful, loving God who knew something about this world before it was even created. We have the mind of Christ. We know that God works in the dark, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. God works in the dark. We know that he does some of his best work after the sun goes down. Let's not listen to all the people of the world who speak the darkness over us. Let's let the Savior, our Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. That's what he said in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. And then he says this, because I am the light of the world, you are the light of the world. That we have something that we can offer to the ones who fear and live in darkness. Now, you all know before I get into this message that I'm afraid of the dark. I told you about the experience I had when I was in teen ministry in my church growing up, and they went spelunking. And if I knew that it meant to go in a cave and shut off the lights, I wouldn't have went. But uh, I remember getting back in there, and our youth group leader with our little tour guide said, now we're going to get back here, and we're all going to turn off our lights. I said, no, we're not. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, that's what we're all going to do. And there was about 19 of them. I said, no, 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 we're not. I said, you all can turn your lights off, but I'm gonna leave my lights on. He goes, No, I've got a lesson I want to teach in the dark. I said, Teach it all you want. I'll go around the corner and keep my light on. All right. Now, I'm not gonna go in the dark with all you all. And he's like, Oh no, no, you have to. I said, Listen, <laughs> I'm keeping my light, <laughs> and and this is how it's gonna be. You know, I'm that's I'm sorry. So he he took on the sponsors. I went around the corner. I was able to keep my light on. I missed the whole darkness lesson. That's fine. Because you know what? My God is God of light. (laughs) And it's okay to be scared of the dark, all right? But from the very beginning, I'm talking the beginning. In Genesis 1, we read this. Listen to this. In the beginning, God. I love that next word. In the beginning, God. So what that's saying is, is that before all things, guess who has always been here? God. He said, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light and there was light. So God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. Then God called uh, light day and the darkness he called night. And now look at the very next and I've highlighted here. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters that separate water from water. So God made a vault and separated the water under the vault of the water above it. And it was so. And God called that vault sky. And notice again, and there was what? Evening, and then there was morning, the second day. And it goes on and on like this all the way through the sixth day. Doesn't it seem odd to you that every day starts and when? The evening? Not the morning. Now, how do you all start your day? Do you all start your day in the evening? No. You start it in the morning, right? And how many of you all have to have your coffee? How many of you all, have, that everyone knows that you let them have their coffee before you say anything to them? Okay, if you don't know that, just let that happen. But it's interesting. We start our day in the morning. But God has always started his day in the evening, right in the middle of the day is the dark of night, according to God. Power Review 2020 and the upcoming 2021, don't be discouraged. Don't let the forecast in darkness, because you know that even in the darkest part of night, the morning light is on its way. Don't miss what God is doing in your life right now. Don't miss the opportunity to shine. Someone says the darker it gets, the brighter your light will shine. How many of y'all know this? It's always darkest before the light, right? But it's in the middle of the day. Note that how God created the days that even the darkest time at night, that's when God's working. There was morning, I mean, there was evening, and then there was morning. And it's kind of comforting for you all that are scared of the dark like me, okay? Because what do we do a lot of the time in the dark? What do y'all spend most of the time doing in the dark? sleeping. And guess who's watching over us? See? Little things like that matter to me, I think. But in, verse, in John 1, we read this. In Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And that line shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness has not overcome it. Did you see that? Our focus verse today is one of our favorites. So let's do it again. He says, and we know so we should know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Who is? If is this for? Is it for everybody or only a select few? Now look at verse twenty nine, and it says, "For those God foreknew." It says right there, who did He foreknow? Everyone. He also predestined to become the image of the Son, so that the that might he might be the firstborn among the brothers and the sisters. God doesn't want anyone to perish. You get this? He wants everybody to know him. He wants everybody to live in the light. It's not like God just has favorites. God doesn't have cliques. (laughs) You know, how many of y'all remember those days in high school or middle school? Or you just didn't seem like you fit in with this group. And then you label the groups, right? Back in my day, they were nerds and geeks, <laughs> jocks, right? The cool kids. Uh, it wasn't, I don't know what, I, I see, is it Hollister? Is that like a, the name brand stuff you got to have right now? You weren't anything unless you had guest jeans, you know? And, and girls, when they walked by with guest jeans, I wasn't a very nice guy. You know what I'd say? 150 165. I'd guess their weight. I didn't know if that's what we were supposed to do or not. I'm sorry. I was, that's really bad. But it's the truth. I did do that, all right? But if you didn't have guess genes, you weren't in, in, in the cool club. Listen, God's not like that. He wants us all to be a part of his family. He has room for everybody. And let me remind you of a few people, maybe you've experienced some darkness in the Bible. Do you remember Joseph? Do you remember Joseph? And let me Talk a little bit about Joseph. Joseph was one of twelve brothers, wasn't he? And his father was not very good dad. He, the Bible says, he liked Joseph better than he liked his brothers. That's sad. I get that. You know, we tease Eli being the middle child all the time. You know that we like Sam or Phoebe, and or, but I'll say it to all of them. They're all my favorites, but it's fun just to kind of mess with your kids. But the Bible literally says that his father favored Joseph more than others. Well, what do you think that's going to cause? Animosity, right? And his brothers got sick of it. And one day, his brothers, while they were out, remember what they did? They threw him in a hole and left him there. And then they said, well, we can't let him die, so we'll sell him into slavery, into Egypt. You know, Joseph could have let the darkness overcome him. But look how he responded to his brothers. And listen to Genesis 50, verse 20. When his brothers needed food, many, time, many years have passed, and his brothers ran out of food in the land that they were living in, and they had to go to Egypt. And the Bible says, it talks about Joseph. He was sold into slavery in Egypt, and he rose way high up into the government. Listen to what Joseph tells his brothers in verse 20 of chapter, uh, of chapter 50. He said, you intended to harm me. You intended army, but God intended it to do good, to accomplish what is now being done for saving many lives. Have you considered Joseph when you think it's dark? Have you considered not only Joseph, but have you considered Job? God works in the dark, doesn't he? But think about Job here. How about Job? Job. It was, he was a blessed man. Had a lot of good things going on in his life. And then God and Satan have this debate of who was going to happen. And, and he says, look, everybody will turn away from you. Satan tells God. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? And he let everything, everything um, kind of happen to Job, if you remember. I mean, his wife was so encouraging. Remember Job's wife? What an encourager she was. His three buddies... You know, his three buddies, when he really needed them, I mean, he didn't even have boils on his body. And they would all come to him, his wife and his three best friends, and said, hey, why don't you just tell us what you've done? Because obviously God is punishing you. And he goes, no, no, I'm not going to do that. In fact, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? That's how bad it got for Job. But remember what Job and what the Bible says of Job. Job was, was blameless and upright is what it says. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. And he was the greatest man among all the people of the East is what it says of Job in chapter one, verses one through three. He had it all. Job had a great life. He was living in the daylight, but he was headed for a dark night and the devil wanted to go after him and God wouldn't allow, And God allowed it to happen. God said, you can do anything you want to him, just don't take his life. Job went through the darkest of nights. He lost everything. But listen how God responded to his friends when they told him, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, listen, I know that my redeemer lives and in the end, and in the end, He will stand on the earth. Did you catch that? Even in the darkest of nights when it was so easy to say, that's it, I can't do it anymore. I give up. What does does Job say? He stands up and he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He knew this. God was working in the dark. Can I get an amen on that? God was working in the dark. And then the third person I want a couple I want to remind you of. Do you remember Paul and Silas in the in the New Testament when they found themselves in the Philippian jail? They were falsely targeted, arrested, and convicted. They were stripped and they were beaten, and they were thrown into prison. According to Acts chapter sixteen, verses twenty through twenty three, and they were in the chains in the dark, and they were put into the inner cell, no windows. No, filled with dampness and darkness. Oh, man, I, ugh, just talking about that gets me going. Do you remember their response? Don't you? Luke writes in Acts 16, 20, 16, verse 25, listen, about midnight, that's about as dark as it gets, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. You know what Paul and Silas were doing in the middle of their darkest time? singing, praising God. They weren't afraid. They weren't discouraged. They weren't given in. They were not going to be depressed and defeated. Because you know why? They knew God was working in the dark. God's working in the dark. It would be easy for us to focus on the darkness that we're in. These are, these are unprecedented times. No one's lived through this. Do you got anybody in your family that was here in the Spanish flu? I don't. We could talk about fear and worry and distances and masks and sickness and death. We can talk about positivity rates and the number of cases that have, that have happened and the number of deaths that have taken place because of this virus. But here are five ways I think about God and what he's doing right now. I think he's working in the dark. Let me sh- show you. How he worked this year. He's working to strengthen families. Have you ever spent this much time with your family as you have than this year? Ever? Ever? No. I know we have, you know what we did on Christmas night? Right, I didn't do that. <laughs> but you know what I did? I spent time playing a card game that my grandparents and myself and, my, and I remember as a family on Christmas used to play together. Everybody ever, ever played Tripoli? Or am I the only sinner that has ever played Tripoli? Anybody ever played Tripoli in there? No one? All right, I'll let your preacher lead you into cards and sin, all right? But, but we sat around, and I took a picture of us all playing Tripoli, and I sent it to my aunt. I sent it to my cousins. I sent it to everybody that I know that would have that memory. You know what? I got back heart emojis. And man, that brings up good memories. I've spent more time with my family than I ever have. And, and, and you know, if, if, if you've got a healthy family, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, I, I worry about some people that have maybe spent too much time with their families if they're in unhealthy relationships. But I've enjoyed it. I've actually enjoyed my children. I, I didn't think I'd say that. Don't let them know that, all right? But I have. I mean, we, we even went out on Christmas Day and took Christmas photos. In, in, in the snow. And there's one that is this hilarious because Sam and it's just me and the boys and we've got a picture of just us and I'm giggling and I'm not a giggler, all right? And you know what's going on there in that picture? And you can see Sam kind of mess with me. He tried to get my nipple, you know? He tried to give me a purple nipple out in the middle of the snow. And, and, and Tanya got that just at the right moment. It was great. And it wasn't just on Christmas day, but you know, like I wake up now and these people are here. And I'm used to them leaving and going to school and doing other stuff, but they're still here. Now, sometimes I don't see the boys very much because they're down there video gaming with all their buddies, but I believe in this year, don't you think that there's something positive that could have happened in the darkness that people actually spending time with their loved ones is not gonna be a bad thing? You're strengthening families. Well, not all, that's not the first thing I want you to point out. Look at this as well. He was also working to make our communities stronger. Haven't we seen the courage of our frontline workers? Do you think the frontline workers have got as much encouragement before COVID or after COVID? Seriously. I mean, we we do a pretty good job recognizing, I think, especially in West Virginia, recognizing our police officers and our first responders and our firefighters and stuff like that. But did we ever really take time to, really appreciate those in the emergency rooms, the nurses, the doctors. I, I, I think we're starting to see we're going to have stronger communities out of this. Opportunities to show kindness and God's love. You know, thirdly, he's working to grow the church. I know a lot of churches are suffering, but our church has grown through this. Not just in numbers, but in... in um, and bodies and presence of uh, people giving their lives to the Lord and not only in financial giving and offerings, but we've seen growth in the church. Numbers are only one way to measure church. If you look at our numbers, the number of people that are in person worshiping today in house in other churches, it would be a lot less than what it was pre-COVID. But you know what it is growing? Our online presence in our online community, being connected to one another, uh, you know, being able to share prayer requests. Being able to Facebook, uh, all these type of things, God's growing the church, and I think, listen to this: a church under fire grows stronger, doesn't it? The the more pressure you put on the church, don't we see it growing? I mean, think about all throughout history when the church was persecuted, even in the early Book of Acts, what happened to the church? It grew. In, in uh, North Korea right now, where it's illegal to worship Christianity, guess is where the one the fastest growing Christianity rates in the world is North Korea. So anytime you try to pressure God's church or put it under fire, it's going to grow. I also believe God's softening the hearts of the gospel. Got to talk to somebody on our Christmas Eve service. Said, "You know what? Haven't been to a Christmas Eve service in 24 years, but I'm glad I came." I said, that's awesome. He said, yeah, haven't been back to church for a long, long time. But someone invited me to Christmas Eve and I just want you to know I was glad I was here. I believe God is softening the hearts of people for the gospel. People need joy, peace, and hope. And then finally, I want to say this. He's preparing a place for us there. The troubles of this life serve to remind us what God has in store. Yes, there's a lot of death. Yes, there's a lot of people going through suffering. But if they are in Christ, those deaths should be celebrations. Because no longer does anybody have to worry about COVID that's in Christ. No longer does anybody have to worry about cancer if they pass from this life, if they're in Christ. No doubt 2020 has had its challenges. We could call it dark. Perhaps 2021 will be filled us with this ongoing crisis in our minds. But we might be weeping, listen to this. We may weep and stay for the night, but our joy comes in the morning, according to Psalm 30, verse 5. There might be weeping in the night, but our joy comes in the morning. You know, there's a lot I'd like to tell you guys more, but I've just kind of hold that right there, guys. This is kind of where I want to go. The sermon has a couple more points to make for us, like, If God's for us, who can be against us? We should know by what the examples I just gave in the Bible, that God's working in the middle of the night. But I'm going to hear to tell you that something woke me up at four o'clock in the morning, and it wasn't bad food, all right? I woke up in the morning, and I spent some time thinking about this. In fact, I had a dream that I can remember. Now, very few do I remember. And it was weird. I was just kind of walking with some people, and, and all of a sudden, we were getting darker and darker, and all of a sudden, this light just popped out. And it, kind of, it was so vivid, I almost thought like, some, like a car had went through the front room of our house, because our house was so close to the road. I thought somebody skidded off, went through, and there was a light in my house. So I get up and check and see what's going on. Then it gets me thinking about this message. And I started thinking about God working in the darkness, and what is really going on there. And, and I'm not a big dreamer or anything like that. And I sat and I prayed and I started thinking about what was going on when I realized I was just dreaming. But do you realize what it said when, in the Bible right when Jesus died on the cross? Do you remember what it said? It says darkness came over all the earth. I believe God did his greatest work in the darkness. See, we, we didn't understand that. Mary and the disciples that were around watching Jesus die on the cross, that was probably their darkest moment in their life. But God was doing his greatest work right on the cross of Calvary. And it got me to thinking, well, why did he do his greatest work on that? And in, in the middle of the night at the darkest moment of Jesus' life? You know why? So that we could have forgiveness. I talked a little bit about forgiveness on Thursday night, if you all remember, at our Christmas Eve service. I want to tell you guys this. It's there in the darkest moment the world's ever known that that's when the light begins to shine. Forgiveness of our sins. And God took care of it once for all in the middle of the night. Now, I want to elaborate, if I can, just a little bit on this. How many of you all struggle with forgiveness? Not God's forgiveness, (laughs) but forgiving others that have hurt you. And we just, okay, every hand should be up. Thank you. Because I do too. Let me tell you why you struggle with forgiveness. You know why? Because (laughs) it's a control issue. Like, for example... Dwayne and Sam had an encounter on the basketball court, <laughs> right? And your thumb got jammed, right? You weren't mad at him. Go ahead, Wayne. You got something you want to say right here. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. They weren't like fisted. No, it was an accident. You caught his your thumb on Sam's chin. It jammed, right? Is that kind of how it went or something? He, he hit your hand. He told me he did it on purpose. Two weeks in a row. He's done it. Yeah, but... But, but I've forgiven him. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you why, and this is just an example. You know why it's hard to forgive somebody? Because you stay in control if you're angry. You stay in control. Because nothing that other person's ever going to do is going to be right. If you truly got upset with somebody, me too, myself included, and this is what woke me up at four o'clock. Because also in my dream are a list, I saw people's faces that I know I haven't forgiven. And, I, and it was like God was like saying, you want to stay in control here because you want to have the upper hand. And then it reminded me on the cross. If God wanted to have the upper hand, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross. God does his greatest work in darkness because when you forgive someone, you release the control. You release the vengeance. You release yourself and say, okay. And it's exactly what God has done for us in Christ because when he looked at us before, he couldn't be around our sinfulness our sinfulness put him in a, in a terrible position because the Bible says no sin would ever go unpunished. And so God was left to do the punishing. And so in the middle of the night in the darkness of, that covered all the earth, you know what God does once for all? He releases the control of anger for those who accept what his son has done for them. So if God could do that for us, the message in my dream this morning was what? You can do that for others. Even if they don't ask for it. Because are there a lot of people walking around this earth that haven't asked for God's forgiveness? Are there a lot of people on this earth that haven't accepted what God did in that darkest hour? You know, friends, 2020 has been an unbelievable year. But you know what God does ultimately at at the cross of Calvary? I don't know if you guys can find this one in your slides, but look what Isaiah 43, 18 says. God spared Job's life. He gave him back more than what he ever had. And notice what God says in Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things, Do not dwell on the past. You know what God ultimately does for us in Christ Jesus? He not only forgives us, but he forgets as far as the east is to the west. That's one thing I don't have the ability to do. I can forgive someone, but I still remember. But that's not like that with God. God says it very clearly. I will forget what you did in the past. You know how freeing that is? Because if you're like me, when we know that we're in the wrong, <laughs> I-, I hope you all realize this. I've been in the wrong a lot. In fact, I can get in the wrong in a matter of a seconds, if you allow me to. And when I know I've wronged someone, do you act differently around the person you wrong? Yep, we do. Why? Why do we do this Because we're ashamed. But do you realize what God's saying here? That in Christ, he forgets what we've done to him. And you know what? It restores our relationship with him. So it is true when the Bible says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? When we read in Romans this morning, or as we read later in Romans, who can separate us from the love of God? And I guess what I'm really trying to bring home to us is in at the very darkest of the whole earth, God says, look, I forgive you, I love you, and I want to have this relationship with you. How many of you, <laughs> I, st- I talked about the blessings of family. I'm just gonna finish with this so we can tie it all together. If you're honest, you don't know, shake your head on this one because this might get you in trouble. The more you know your family, the more they know you, right? <laughs> and in some of the ones that you're closest to, do you find yourself doing some of the most awful things to? Don't shake your head on this. Yes, we do. And sometimes it is so hard to repair and reconcile those relationships, but if there's true forgiveness that takes place, you know what ultimately happens? You get closer, don't you? You get closer with people that love you enough to love you in the moments of your weakness, that love you in spite of you, (laughs) that love you with your garbage and your nastiness, and they still choose to love you. You know what that makes you do? It makes your relationships get stronger if you allow forgiveness to take place. Listen to me. How do I know that God loves me? I know he loves me because I am not the best person in the whole world. I am not like Job. I couldn't say I'm pure and blameless. I'm a man who has a lot of sin in my life, but I know one thing, that every time I go to God and ask him to forgive me and that I'm ashamed for what I've done, you know what he does? He doesn't say, you've already been to me a hundred times over this. You know what he does? Come here, Russ. Come close. Parents, your children will disappoint you They will fail you. They will rip your hearts out sometimes. But when those relationships are restored, it's the most beautiful thing. Husbands, wives, your spouses will drive you bonkers. But when those relationships, when you can find pure forgiveness and love in the darkest of times, This is what 2020 has taught me more than anything else. 2020 has taught me things that have always should have mattered the most do matter the most. It's your family. It's your friends. And even in the midst of when things go wrong and the relationships aren't right, there we can find the Lord. Because why do those things matter? Because those things matter to God. Because if they didn't, God wouldn't have sent Jesus and he wouldn't allow him to die in the darkest of night. Do you remember Jesus' words right before he died? He actually said them in Aramaic. But we translate them as this. Father, why have you forsaken me? Right before he died, he felt as lonely as, and by himself at any point in his life. He knew what was going to happen. He was part of the plan. He agreed to it. Why did he let Friday happen? Because he knew Sunday was coming. Why do you go through pain and hardships and relationships with friends or family? or Why do you go through that? Because if you truly love each other and the Lord... If you truly have God in the center of your relationships, then he's going to let you go through that pain. He's going to let you go through that hardship. Why is 2020 so hard? He's going to let us go through all of this together because God's got something for us. I don't know when it ends. I don't know what it looks like. But if it never ends, God is still on his throne. If it never gets better, God is still on his throne. And nothing means more to God than you or he wouldn't allow his son to die alone and scared in the middle of the night on the cross. His sacrifice has to mean something. And what it means is we can have relationship with God where we're not walking in shame. We're not walking with our head down. The saddest thing, and this was my last part of my dream, was this one person I know in my life who literally loves Jesus but is afraid of Jesus. I said, how does that work? And he says, well, I always, and he always says to everything with us, if it's the Lord's will, I'll do this. If it's the Lord's will, hey, you wanna come with me to go play golf? Well, if it's the Lord's will. You wanna come have dinner tonight? Well, if it's the Lord's will. Well, that's great. And what he's saying is, is if something would happen, then, then, you know, I guess he's always looking for an out. Maybe he doesn't want to hang out with me. Maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know. But what he's saying is if it's always God's will. And then when you get into this relationship, when you say, well, what do you really mean by that? And he goes, well, I'm just praying that when I die and I stand before God, that God will forgive me. No, we need to have this talk about what it means to have a relationship with God. God doesn't just kind of forgive us. He completely forgives us. He completely forgets all of our past sins and our sins that we're committing. And he wants a relationship with us. But I think there's a lot of Christians walking around who, if they're honest, feel this way about God. Yes, I understand that Jesus died on the cross and I accepted that, but, I'm, but he still knows that I'm a sinner. Yeah, he does. And guess what? He wants to have relationship with you. And that's the thing I think our society is completely lost. We feel like one minute we're in heaven, the next minute we're in hell. Because we've said a cuss word, we've seen something we shouldn't see, we've we've hurt someone the way we haven't we shouldn't have acted and then somehow we're out of relationship with God. It does not work that way. You either accept what he's done on the cross of Calvary or you still have a works favored religion. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And I see so many spouses and and marriages that go, uh, go way off on this when they just say, well, you didn't pick up your socks. You didn't do the dishes. I hold this against you. This is why we don't have a relationship. You didn't do this. You did this. You did that. I'm serious. If I could just get the sumo suits, You know what I'm talking about? The big puffy sumo suits and put them on the husband and wife and just shut the door and leave them there for 10 minutes. 98% of everything be worked out, all right? Because they couldn't hurt each other or anything like that. But I'm serious. It turns into, well, here's what you did to me and here's what you did to me. If we do this with God, if we do this with God, we don't understand the relationship and why Jesus went through what he went for. God doesn't want I do this for you, God. Do you see? Now you like me. I went to church today. Mm. God doesn't want, well, I cussed today, you know. So I guess if I died now, I'd go to hell. That's not what this is about. Because parents, the closest thing I can get to is a parent relationship with the child. My children will disappoint me. But do you stop loving them? And what you're trying to implore on your children as they're talking to their friends and as they're developing friendships and relationships is this very idea. and Say, look, your buddy's going to mess up and they're going to hurt you. But are you going to forgive them? And if they say, nope, not nah, done with them, your, your, your people, your, your, your children are going to be very lonely in life. Because life is a lot about saying these two words, I'm sorry. Because I'm sorry ties with you're forgiven. What we are doing with Jesus, ultimately, is we're telling God, I'm sorry. And, G- and God through Jesus says, you're forgiven. That's why I think 2020 has been a decent year. Because God does some of his greatest work in the middle of the night. Will you pray with me? Lord, I know this to be true. What I know to be true, God, is this. Everyone in this room, everyone that's listening to the sermon online needs forgiveness whether they know it or not, whether they desire it or not, is one thing or another. What makes relationships work when we find depth is not just being able to love each other when it's light and when it's daylight. And what I mean by that is when you're having fun. But where true love comes in is when you have the ability to To love someone in the darkest of night. When we feel the most vulnerable. When we're the most frightened. When we are the most angry. Hurt. When Paul and Silas were in the prison. When Job was having all of his friends to say, just Job, tell us what you've done so that you you can just come clean because obviously you've done something. When Joseph was in the pit thinking he was going to die, when he was sold into slavery, not knowing what was going to take place in his life, in those darkest moments, you're there. When our Lord himself cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're there. And so, Lord, I pray that in this prayer time, as we prepare to meet around your table, the night before Jesus was to be betrayed and crucified, the Bible says he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, it says, After supper, he took the cup and said, this juice, this wine, this drink represents the blood of the new covenant that is shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time we come around the table and we hold these emblems, we are proclaiming that dark hour when darkness fell on all the earth, when Jesus die. But also it's in that very moment that we find forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal life. It's in those very dark moments in our lives that if we are willing and able to be slow to speak and quick to listen and open up our ears and our hearts that father, we will find you working. So I pray, not only for communion, but for the time of decision that will follow after. If there are those who feel like they are in fear of you, will they come and just receive what you've done? Will they finish this year and looking into the next year, not with a blind hope that says, well, it's going to be better, it has to be, than 2020, but the reality that says it's going to be a better year because I'm going to be with Jesus. And I'm going to walk with him and I'm going to talk with him and I'm going to do my best to try to treat others the way that he has treated me. I'm going to forgive others as he forgave me. I'm going to love them as he's loved me. So my prayer, Father, is that as we sing as we commune and as we make decisions today whether we're here or at home that father that these decisions will change us will change our relationships and I'm promising the devil's going to come after us in the darkest of hours and he's going to remind you no that's all just garbage what Russ said no it's not Paul and Silas were ever seen in prison Job re- received back to him 10 to 100 fold of what you had given him before Joseph was able to turn his hatred, anger and vengeance over to you and you, were allow- you allowed him to help not only his brothers and sisters but his entire nation and it starts with two words I'm sorry Bless this time of communion, I pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said.